besides the government building, none of the buildings were full. And now, now we've only think got two buildings that are empty. In every glass, we're trying to promote South Georgia agriculture. So we want to promote organic farming, sustainable farming practices, and appropriate use of natural resources. Beer. Some people celebrate with it, others mourn with it. Some reports say that the first solid proof of beer production comes from the period of the Sumerians around 4000 BC. Others claim that the earliest beer discovered is from 13,000 BC. No matter which is true, we know that beer has been bringing people together in good times and bad for thousands of years. It's a tradition the world over, and in Albany, Georgia, it's a way of life. I came from the mud, I'm David Zelski, and this is the Fork in the Road podcast, featuring the stories from Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Today, we're in the southwest corner of the state in Georgia's 10th largest city, Albany. Across the street from the Flint River Aquarium is where you'll find Pretoria Fields Brewery and Pretoria Fields Collective. No, I'm a, I'm a physician. I actually uh, I come from a long line of pharmacists. That is Dr. Trip Morgan. Yep, today we're talking to a doctor about beer. And we're going to talk to him about hemp, too. This is going to be a good one. All right, well, um, brewing, I guess, and the brewery was not your original profession. No, no, <laughs> not. Yeah, not at all. No, I'm a, I'm a physician. And so my dad and sister are both pharmacists, and he, uh, he ran a small town pharmacy in Camilla, Georgia for the entire, my entire life. Now we also had a family farm. And so my dad, um, he went to Vietnam and came back. He actually was an agricultural economics major. Um, never really did his, never really uh, used his ag degree. He ended up going to pharmacy school. Well, uh, I came back after medical school and had established my practice and he had retired and lo and behold, he wanted to farm, so we went into business together. I had a farm in Camilla, and uh, we bought a farm in Albany. I decided we wanted to do something a little bit different, so we, um, being in, obviously, in health and uh, wellness, being a physician, um, we got our farm organic certified. And we're going through that. We. Um, we did some small grains, uh, we did blueberries and blackberries, and really we're, we're trying to find an added benefit for the products that we're already making. Uh, Omaha Brewing, Brewing was doing well, and they were, they were sort of out in the middle of nowhere, kind of like we are out in Pretoria, Georgia. Uh, so trying to capitalize on uh, agricultural tourism, we decided to open a brewery. Um, well, after the downtown development found out about our project. Uh, they actually invested in us and moved my small idea of a small brewery on our farm to a much bigger idea of a large downtown brewery with a tap room and a uh, 30 barrel brewing facility. Um, so, it's, uh, so it went, it really quickly went from a little project to a much bigger project. Uh, but staying the same with our idea of um, in every glass, we're trying to promote South Georgia agriculture. 
So we want to promote organic farming, sustainable farming practices, and appropriate use of natural resources. Uh, part of that promotion is um, uh, we've done through our partnerships, and one of those is with the Flint Riverkeeper. And you said you like our, our beer, Sholey. Well, it's named after the Shoal Bass. And uh, we give 2% of all the sales back to, um, back to the Flint Riverkeeper uh, for sustainable habitat management for that particular product. So, um, so we're trying to get, be, not only are we trying to promote agriculture, but be good stewards to our environment locally and as well as statewide. Dr. Tripp is doing a good job of that. First, moving the brewery to downtown Albany has been really good for the city. We opened December 7, 2018. Um, when we came down here, there, besides the government building, none of the buildings were full. And now, now we've only think got two buildings that are empty. So it's really uh, spurred development in the downtown area. Dr. Tripp also mentioned that their goal is to promote South Georgia agriculture. And Pretoria Fields is doing exactly that. We grow Cascade hops. They've done very well. Um, the past two years, we've had enough to do a small batch of wet hop beers uh, through, through hops that were grown specifically on the farm, so that's been awesome. Um, we've continued to propagate the hops that we have, so we're up to a little over an acre now, or an acre, acre and a half, and uh, so that particular part has done awesome. We've, um, it took us, we started this project five years ago just thinking about the things that we wanted to grow, um, grew four different types of barleys. We've done three or four different types of uh, wheat, oats, corn, all looking, at, um, all looking at varietals that our brewers wanted to use uh, and so we could then propagate and use those and then tell other farmers about what we're doing to try to, try to spread the wealth, I guess is a good way to think of it, yeah. It's gotta be kinda neat having a blueberry farmer and uh, you know, different, different fruits, all these these folks that you're helping support by putting their product in your beer, how important is it to you to have these South Georgia farmers be a part of this collective? Oh gosh, I mean, huge. So, um, so I mean, the biggest products, and you know, we're not the, we're not helping, we're not helping the, um, the industrial farmer. I mean, we're helping the smaller guy. I mean, you know, the guy who's. Um, not farming as many acres as, as you would think about with those things, who's maybe, um, maybe trying to get involved in some other products besides corn, cotton, and peanuts. And uh, so blueberries, blackberries are traditional grains that we're, that we're trying to promote. Um, something, um, you know, organically grown, uh, sustainably farmed, um, and, you know, of course, not genetically modified, of course. Um, and even if where we can, substituting antiquarian, gra antiquarian grains or things from um, things that maybe were more traditionally grown around here. When people are drinking your beer, how much of Georgia can they have in that beer? Yeah, it depends on which one it is, right? So, um, so hops, uh, there's really interesting hops that come from all over the world. And so we certainly want to be able to provide that. So like, Sholey itself is a West Coast IPA. Um, it's supposed to be West Coast IPA. You know, it's got uh, it's got um, that particular uh, flavor to it. But uh, Skywater, which is our golden ale, um, 
All of the grain uh, is grown in Georgia, was malted in Georgia, uh, um, so it's 80% Georgia grown. And you commented on our berry goza, which is one of our seasonals. Yeah, super proud of that one because wheat, coriander, and sea salt, our berry, wheat berries were grown right here, and the blueberries and blackberries are grown right here. So uh, for almost all of our beers now, we're 50% 50, 50 plus as far as which, what ingredients actually came from Georgia. And a lot of that came from um, us going out and recreating a um, uh, barley production in South Georgia, which really hadn't been done since the 70s. And since Pretoria Fields is striving for sustainable organic farming, is the beer they brew a healthier option? Well, that's what we're trying to do, right? I mean, so, you know, all the products that we're making are either being um, organically grown or they're being um, grown with as few of the farm products as we can. So some of our farmers, they still grow industrially, right? But we just ask them to limit the amount that they can, for sure. We, we always hear about wine having all these great components, you know, health components yeah. to wine, and you don't hear about it much from beer. Yeah, uh, so there's a great book, um, Dr. Lee, uh, Food and Health and Disease, and so he describes the health benefits that have been found in beer, and um, the chemical actually starts with an X, X-I-M-E-R-T-R-O-L, Zymetrol or something, I don't know exactly how you say it, but, um, uh, but it has a chemical property similar to that that we always talk about, which is good in wine. So they did find it in beer. So that's a thing. Score one for the beer doctor. And beer is not the only thing at Pretoria Fields Collective. There's also hemp. So we thought it would make sense for us, for our business, our business model. Um, because of my background in medicine, uh, we try to promote health. And we're promoting health through organic farming and we're promoting health through sustainable farming. And um, if I can get people to think about thinking that way, then maybe we can get them to think about how cannabis could also be, you know, is a sustainable farming product. I mean, it, it's been grown, well, it's probably been grown with us ever since we started farming, meaning thousands, thousands, if not tens of thousands of years. Um, the products itself were used to, have been used to feed everything from the cattle and then you eat the cattle to get the products, you know, the, the product itself out of it, um, to be able to use the stem itself for clothing, uh, to be able to use the roots for tea. Um, it has to be grown organically though, and so uh, it's a universal extractor out of the, out of the dirt. So it'll, it'll, it'll pull up any organic molecules. So if, um, if there's pesticides or organophosphates or, or heavy metals in the ground, and you're not farming appropriately, you can actually create a product that's um, harmful, not helpful. So it's very important that you know where your hemp's coming from, or your cannabis products, or your CBD is coming from. Um, because of these, because of that practice, um, and also because of this idea that I feel like, uh, like we have to have industrial farming. I mean, there's no doubt we couldn't feed all the people not only in the United States but in the world without it. But at the same time, industrial farming is making us sick. I mean, there's more, there's increase in diabetes, hypertension, uh, rheumatologic disease, all of these things have gone up over the past year. The number one increase in, in um, autoimmune disease is actually with farmers. 
And so why is that? Well, because they're exposed to one idea is that they're exposed to a lot of chemicals to be able to create those, those products. So how can hemp help? You look at the residual chemicals in corn, cotton, and peanuts, and what you've got is you're spraying your corn, but the residue is built up over the years, and, and it's also killing your peanuts, or you're spraying your cotton, and it's, it's injuring your corn or one of your other products later. Um, one of the ideas with sustainable hemp farming, or adding that, say, into a rotation crop, which is one of the things that, that we were promoting in the state of Georgia, um, would be that it would pull up, pull out all, or pull out a lot of that residual and actually clean the ground. And so, so let's say you do corn, cotton, peanuts, and then hemp for fiber. Now we couldn't use that hemp for CBD or its medicinal components because it's actually concentrated um, a lot of those chemicals within its uh, leaves. So, but there's no reason why, and it's grown just like a lot of the crops that our local farmers are already used to. So, so you would be taking in that instance and possibly making industrial farming just a little bit safer. And so I think the way all of that's gonna happen is that we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna continue to find ways to make organic farming better and, um, and, and more, and be able to do it better and be able to scale it up on a bigger level but also we're gonna be able to make industrial farming safer through hundreds of little things like that where hopefully the two things will meet in the middle, you know, and not only that, you know, you th think about costs. So what's the cost for diabetes every year? What's the cost for hypertension disease? What's the cost for, um, for rheumatologic disease? Where, you know, where there's got to be some uh, benefit that society sees that they put back in being able to both promote organic farming as well as promote the idea of making industrial farming safer. This isn't just a business for Dr. Tripp. It's a service. It's a public good. 143 miles northeast of Albany is Cobbtown, Georgia. This is where some of the hemp is grown for Pretoria Fields Collective. And through the magic of podcasting, we can jump right to the Handy Kennedy Farm. My name is Handy Kennedy Jr. Okay, Andy Kennedy Jr., we're on Handy Kennedy Road. Tell me about this farm and what's going on behind me. Um, basically, this farm, um, um, the legacy of this farm, been in the family since 1869. Um, right after slavery, uh, my great-grandfather, Handy, and Elizabeth Jane um, bought 175 um, acres from a guy by the name of Cobb, which Cobbtown is basically named out of. He bought, it, um, bought 175 acres, then he passed that 175 acres on to his son. His son, um, um, Marston Kenner, before his passing, um, grew it to like 1,700 acres. Um, and then when my um, fa um, father, grandfather split it up amongst his 13 kids, my father bought 1,000 acres of it. And this is where we sit right now, is on the 1,000 acres that my father bought from his father, Marston Kennedy. So, which, which is included about a thousand acres. But all together now, we form about 1,200 acres. How did you get started in this? I started researching hemp probably about um, 2017, just kind of reading up and basically reading, um, on seeing what they were doing out west. I was already intrigued about hemp. I knew that, um, I believe that hemp was an industrial, um, and a revolutionary crop. 
And I knew that it was going to bring some opportunity for small farmers like ourselves to give us the opportunity to make some extra revenue. And when I really started researching and learning out about the different uh, aspects of it and what you can really do with hemp, with the, uh, the CBD, uh, with the seed, and with the um, fiber, I knew that this was going to be a crop that we have to really invest in on the ground level. And so therefore, uh, I researched it. And when Georgia passed the law to allow us to start growing, um, I started uh, researching processors um, that really had the best interest of small farmers in, um, in mind. And I ran across Victoria Field. They had a couple of presentations throughout the state where they were trying to recruit farmers to grow um, very small acres of hemp, which were perfect for me, you know, because it's a very expensive crop to grow. And uh, with them allowing me to grow one, one to two acres was perfect. And so uh, after um, going to a couple of their meetings and listening to their uh, leadership team, explaining to them what they were trying to do, I realized it was going to be the best fit for its processes in Georgia for, for HK Farm. This is the very definition of neighbors helping neighbors. Now we need to know what Pretoria Fields is doing with the hemp grown by Handy Kennedy Jr. There's a lot of misunderstanding because it's newly legal, um, you know, with cannabis between marijuana and hemp. Mm -hmm. There is a, a line. There is a difference. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, um, so anybody who farms understands the idea of different cultivars. And so uh, cannabis uh, sativa and cannabis indica. And, um, and even when it was brought from brought and used for medicinal purposes, the indica plant was always the one that was considered sort of the smokable herb that got you high. And the sativa plant was the fiber hemp that was used to make paper and clothes and uh, used it for tea and, and, um, and then used the seeds as, a, as the other components. Now, there are lots of different now there are many, many, many cultivars of both of those. And so that um, doesn't totally hold true as far as the plant biology goes. I mean, there's books written about it. Um, but just for simple understanding, the hemp varieties that we grow, the THC genes or the genes that make that would, would make it marijuana, quote unquote, um, I don't like that term, but, but that's what most people think about it as, um, they're knocked out, so they don't actually, they're, they're not activated in that particular plant they're growing. And everything has to be, as far as the state law, under 0.3% THC. So, and the other, the other thing that people need to realize is that we're growing it for a high uh, CBD content, and the increase in the CBD actually suppresses THC effect. So there's several different reasons that it both has the beneficial effects, and it also wouldn't, you know, doesn't have the, um, euphoric effects. I do like how well studied Dr. Tripp is. He hasn't gone into this venture willy-nilly. No, he's done his homework. A group of farmers, physicians, and pharmacists brewing beer and creating CBD products. That's Pretoria Fields Collective in Albany, Georgia. So the next time you're in downtown Albany, be sure to visit the brewery and the tap room. Thank you for joining me on this episode. Did you know that you can watch A Fork in the Road on GPB TV or anytime on the gpb.org website? That is also where you can listen and subscribe to this podcast, or you can download it on your favorite podcast platform. I'm David Zelsky. Thanks for listening to A Fork in the Road.